Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to our slightly belated resistance recap for the wonderful episode, Doza's Dilemma. Um, we're excited to be back. We're sorry it's a little late, but we had some things come up. Um, but we're here now. <laughs> we are. It feels so late to record this episode four days after it released, even though we're still within the week. It's so funny when these Star Wars TV shows come out. It feels almost like the episode is like, quote, unquote, like old news. And it's so frustrating because I feel like the Star Wars news cycle moves really fast. But I felt like I was like sitting on my hands the entire t- this entire week, like wanting to talk about this episode. So I'm really happy. And mm-hmm. this was such... A good episode. So good. I felt so bad too because like you were you were away with friends who like aren't Star Wars friends, and so there was never like there wouldn't have been time for you to like watch it. No, there was no time. (laughs) But I I I was avoiding Twitter because I kept seeing people's responses, which is fine. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm here for people talking about the TV show on Twitter, but I was like. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I was like, while I was watching, I was like, wow, I'm really sad that Charlotte can't uh, um, over the weekend uh, on Sunday or even until like Tuesday, right? Yeah. I got home and I was like, I'm making pasta and I'm watching Resistance <laughs> and that's my night. <laughs> that's the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's funny, though, is it's like if if you and I had been away, we definitely would have stopped what we were doing to watch it. Like, and probably record, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I think it's just funny. I've had that happen, too, though, where I've been away and, like, not with people who would be, like, okay with me just hopping out for 30 minutes to watch, like, Rebels or something like that. And it's so hard. <laughs> yeah. It You're really like, is tough. All I want to do is, is Star Wars, and I can't. Constant mood. Constant. At work, <laughs> in my daily life, when I'm with family. All I want to do is Star Wars, but I can't. I know. So, where was I the other day? And someone like brought up, oh, I was, <laughs> I was working. So I don't know if anyone knows this, but I used to work for a bridal shop. And I was um, at a bridal show for like a bridal fashion show and a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago. And this guy had come up and he was like, oh, yeah, like I had a Star Wars wedding. And like my ha- – I, I was I was facing away from him and I like swiveled and was like, what? <laughs> Star Wars? Did you say Star- – let's talk about Star Wars. What do you think of the sequel trilogy? <laughs> Literally me. <laughs> and, and, but he just wasn't having it because he was like, we had lightsabers and like a R2-D2 groom's cake. And I was like, great. But The Last Jedi, what's your stance? <laughs> what was his um, stance? He, we never really got to it. It Aww. was, it was not, it wasn't a great conversation. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the point is, I'm just like constantly thinking about Star Wars. At least like thirty percent of my brain is devoted to Star Wars at any given moment. I swear, ever since I was like thirteen, I've had this like dog. <laughs> dog type hearing for anytime <laughs> anyone mentions anything star wars mm-hmm. it's like oh a, a, a completely like a football field away someone says the word <laughs> star and wars in a sentence i am like what'd you say it's like the shark <laughs> can smell blood in the water like up to a mile and charlotte's That's like me a football field away i can hear you say star wars in the office someone mentions it i'm like ha, 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 star wars <laughs> well what's funny is so I started a new job recently and I have a friend there who I was in college with and she is actually a really big Star Wars fan too and so she knows about the podcast like she's listening I don't think she listens all the time but she's listened to the podcast before and I'm just like waiting for it to like come up in conversation (laughs) like like, the water cooler to be like oh Star Wars hey Caitlin what do you think about Star Wars (laughs) It will. It will come up. It Trust me about, will. on that one. Uh, yeah, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Um, I just think it's funny um, when you like run into people that like know about your super fan life. <laughs> it is funny. It's it always this like weird thing to awkwardly navigate. Right? It's like, <laughs> I'm totally cool with my podcast, but some people 
Like some people think it's kind of weird, right? <laughs> you just have to, it's like, you're like testing the minefield. Yeah. You're exactly. like, oh, is this like totally 100% cool or do I have to like completely play this cool and like kind of reel it in a little bit where it's like, yeah. oh yeah, it's just this like casual hobby. Like it's just this thing I kind of love, but <laughs> no, 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 guys. You know, every it's once like... in a while I, I sit down at the mic and talk about the wars and the stars. Yeah, it's like only sometimes, like maybe like once a month. No, yeah, yeah, no. yeah. No. Even that's like pushing it. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I remember there was this other woman um, who I worked with too. That after like six months of working with her, I finally realized that like she was super into fandom, like like internet fandom. She was a big Harry Potter person, um, but like fan fiction like we started talking about fan fiction but like it took a long time to like for both of us to like test each other out to see if like we were on the same page <laughs> so you like fan fanfic fic yeah we, yeah <laughs> and, and then we we're like oh yes and then we we're like all right so like modern au's canon verse otb like vignettes how do you feel <laughs> just like throwing the lingo around um, but it, it took us a while to get there. <laughs> That's so funny. It was funny. It was funny. Um, okay. Anyway, Star Wars Resistance. We're not talking about Harry Potter fan fiction. Um, the episode was called Doza's Dilemma and it aired on January 27th, which was so freaking long ago. Um, it was directed by Saul Ruiz and it was written by Gavin Hynight. I think it's Hignite. Hignite. Whatever. <laughs> Never did it right. I, I tried to do it really confidently because usually I don't do it confidently and then it's still wrong. <laughs> Caitlin just can't ever get the names right. It's so funny. <laughs> so bad. I'm sorry, Gavin. It's okay. He, he forgives you. Okay. So in part one, we give our highs and lows of the entire episode. And in part two, we talk about the story. And in part three, we talk about the characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? All right. Welcome to part one where we're going over our highs and lows. And Charlotte, you can go first. Wow. Thank you. You're welcome. So my first high was I loved the scene of all the women and Kaz playing the video game together. I loved it. I loved seeing these three women in a room playing this fun game and having a good time. It was like so much joy to see this. <laughs> I, I I loved it. <laughs> I love Tora's bedroom. I miss Tora so much when she's not on screen. Me um, too. And of course, it was just great that again, Kaz is not good at the game. <laughs> <laughs> when he stepped up to play, I was like, "This is going to go so badly." We saw how he was when he was with Poe in that. Um, deserted corridor i was like this is he's gonna fail i know he's good at games but like he's really bad at i know he's bad at shooting (laughs) for a second so i kind of forgot about that episode um with poe and like that whole situation but for a second i thought that like maybe he would start to be really good at it and then right right we had a lot of hope got it yeah (laughs) (laughs) but then someone would be like oh kaz you're so good at that it's almost like you're a resistance fighter or something and like he'd be like oh yeah oh oh," and then like mess up and be like oh man guess i messed up and be like a really bad spy moment but it was just like a really bad blaster moment so (laughs) Yeah, it was just really bad. But then Sonara steps up and is just so good and it's like too good. I just I loved that moment. It showed a lot about their personalities and their skill levels. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated it. Kaz doesn't have any. Yeah. I love him though. I do we give him a lot of crap for his like technical oh. skills or lack thereof. It's, and I love no, him. So But the thing is it's not Kaz's fault. No one is teaching him. <laughs> Okay, that's like at some point, like like the thing is, Kaz puts forth a lot of effort. You know, like he gave it the old college try, and like everything he does, it's just that (laughs) Jaeger is just like that's wrong, and then walks away. (laughs) (laughs) Poe's like, here's a blaster, walks away. (laughs) True. Uh, uh, Felix, Flix, and and Orca. Flix and Orca are like, here's the shop. Walk away. <laughs> there you go. Here's yeah. BB-8, my droid. Bye. <laughs> here's Fireball. Walks away. <laughs> you're you're right. You're right. So it's not. It's like, and Kaz, Kaz, God love him. He does what he can, which sometimes isn't a lot, <laughs> but he really does try. He does. He really does. Okay. What's your uh, first high? 
So my first high was the whole plot point of the First Order saving Tora from the pirates. It was just, I was like, ooh, ooh, that's so bad. <laughs> like it's so bad. It was so sinister. Like, I, I really didn't see it coming in the beginning when they had set it up. Like, I knew that they were – I knew from the beginning when they were like, we need you to go get something valuable to Captain Doza. I was like, ooh, ooh, it's Tora. It's Tora. Um, so I knew – like, I could see that a mile away, but I really didn't see them – being the ones to then double cross the pirates. I was like, whoo, yes. It was good. <laughs> I know. It got really, really, really um, dark. And the the stakes got really high where I was like, yeah. man, is the entire show going to revolve around Kaz having to rescue Tora? Like, how far are they going to take this? I yeah. didn't really know. Um, and I, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. Mm-hmm. It really... It felt like this episode, and we'll get into this in our story section, this episode really felt like a turning point in the stakes of the storytelling to me. And the best example, I think, is the whole like plot point of the fact that the pirates slash the First Order took Tora. Yeah. It was, oh, it was really good. Um, okay, but what's your second high? So my second high kind of has to do with yours. Um, I, I'm obsessed with everything that has to do with Sonara's storyline. And I just have to hearken back to me being like, man, I don't really think we're going to see a lot of Sonara anymore. And here we are getting – I am I am so conflicted about who she is. I'm all here for her redemption arc if that is presented. But I am. I feel like I'm in the middle of like a, a really interesting character journey, and I'm so happy about it. This entire – TV show in this um this episode really demonstrated that for me. All the layers on the Colossus. So many layers <gasps> on the Colossus in the characters, man. God. It's so evocative. Scratch it off your Sky Talkers bingo. Layers on the Colossus. I Love guess it. that's a that's part of the bingo now. Or? Yeah, I guess it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my second high was specifically Kaz and Sonara's conversation at the end of the episode. It was just – it was so loaded and I loved how it was like Kaz had his suspicions kind of throughout the episode, but you could tell that he really just wanted – like he didn't want to believe that that would even be a thing. But then once he kind of figured it out and he realized that Sonara's lying to him, it's like you can tell how – like he's just crestfallen about it and it's so sad. And and you know that – like you know that Sonara is sad about it too. That she like doesn't like that she has to lie to him about it, and that she's kind of at a crossroads as well. So I, oh, I love the end of the their whole conversation at the end. I thought the voice acting was really great in that part mm-hmm. too. I thought Christopher Sean, his voice got really quiet and low, yeah. and you really felt really sad for him in that moment, and especially when BB Eight was like, "I told you so," you know. I feel like. That was such a stab in the heart because – or, like, I never trusted her. I think that's what he says. Oh, yeah. And um, I, I, I just really felt for Kaz. And I want him to continue to see the good in people, even though he's supposed to see the bad. He's supposed to find the spy. And I I, I don't know. That last scene was – again, it really did feel like a turning point where something like a glass shattering kind of happened in Kaz's kind of psyche about mm-hmm. the people that he surrounded himself with. Which is kind of obvious because that's what he is, like, meant to do on the Colossus. He's supposed to find, you know, the person who's, like, Mm double-crossing. But, yeah. Well, it's kind of a bit – it's very loosely kind of the same idea, almost in the opposite of, like, Luke and Vader, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you think this person is your enemy and then it come to find out they're, you know, your family member. And it's like Kaz knows what he's supposed to do with – on the Colossus is to find the spy, but now the spy is someone he knows and someone he has a relationship with. And that makes it 10 times harder and 10 times more interesting as a viewer. Um, but we talk about this a lot about the like turning point for Kaz and like when his eyes are finally going to be open to what exactly it is he joined. Like when is he going to have his Finn moment um, from The Last Jedi of like, no, like now I'm really with the resistance. Um, Because Kaz doesn't really know yet. And like all throughout this first half of the season, he's kind of slowly, really slowly, it's felt at times, been more aware of what exactly it is that he's joined. But he's still not really there yet. Um, But the Sonara thing, I think, is like like a big chunk of that. Um, And I think it's only going to be kicked into high gear in the next couple episodes. Totally agree. 
Um, in terms of my low, I don't have one. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> oh, we're so boring. We're I wish so we had a low. Boring. Oh, God, why can't we be more critical? <laughs> <sighs> it sucks liking everything. It's- <laughs> it's not loving star wars god (laughs) anyway okay let's move on to the story (laughs) okay so welcome to part two where we discuss the story and this is kind of where we break down the story and the themes and where we think the series is headed so but we always ask in the beginning what is the state of the resistance and what is the state of the first order so caitlin what is that (laughs) I feel like you always ask me this question. Like, you never start this question. <laughs> I can start the question if you want me to. No, like, I'm fine with it. I'm just pointing out a, <laughs> pointing out a pattern. <laughs> it's quite a pattern. It's quite a pattern. I try to switch it up with our highs and lows. Like, some weeks I go first, some weeks you go first. But I always answer first in part two. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so, okay. So, obviously, the big player, shocker, in this episode was the First Order. And the First Order, like – they're so much smarter than we give them credit for sometimes. And I think we know this, but I think just the, like the double crossing was so like well done with mm-hmm. the pirates because as an audience, we feel – I feel like up to this point in regards to like the Colossus and Joza and the First Order and the pirates, like as an audience, we kind of have the upper hand because we're getting to see some of these interactions that our lead characters like Kaz and Doza and Tora are not. And we know that the First Order is using the pirates to get to Joza. Um, but I, I for one, didn't expect them to, like, use the pirates in this way. I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that it's – you always kind of forget that the First Order is super powerful. But I think that this was a moment where we have – I feel like I ended the episode thinking – the First Order really does have the upper hand, and it's easy kind of to forget that The Force Awakens opens with the First Order having the upper hand. Like, things are bad, and we're just escalating that way. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that the First Order is using a bunch of different groups, like the pirates, to their advantage. And it always just makes my brain turn about what we're going to see in Episode 9. Who is going to use these different groups? Is it going Ooh. to be the Resistance? Is it going to be the First Order? How I, – I, I think that it's a it's debated that maybe the Pirates or something will come up in Episode 9 and help mm. – uh, the Pirates or some sort of pirate or like the Huts or something will come up in Episode 9 to help the Resistance because they desperately need help and who's going to help them. So I think that it's like – visualizing how many of these different groups are kind of under the first order control and have been like completely exploited. Like we just watched this, this group be totally exploited by the first order. I wonder how that's going to affect in the future. And I feel like it is really astounding. You end this episode and you're like, you're like, wow, the first order has pretty much complete control and dominance over the Colossus at this point, even though Doza, Doza has been put into this circumstance that, no, he does not want to be in it all, mm-hmm. and um, it he just keeps being pushed and pushed by the first order, and with kind of no end in sight. Yeah, exactly. I think um, you know, when thinking about how this episode kind of, um, in a way, gives you uh, more respect for the first order, in a way, because again, like as the audience, we kind of already assume this inevitable inevitability an inevitableness. Whoa. It's inevitability. <laughs> inevitability. I said it right the first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. The inevitability of the First Order failing um, because that's kind of how we're conditioned to look at stories like this. First Order bad, that means they lose, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then too, like with the discourse that's come along in the past 40 years about the Empire from the original trilogy, there are so many jokes, you know, of like the stormtroopers can't hit a direct shot, yeah. you know? And then like we had the battle droids in the prequel trilogy that were like used for comedy throughout the Clone Wars and to a certain extent in the prequel trilogy themselves as well. And so like we're not conditioned to like see the actual like foot soldiers um, in these different regimes as super threatening because every time that we see them, our heroes usually get the upper hand pretty quickly. Right. 
even in Clone Wars where that posed a bit of a bigger problem and even in um, Rebels where we kind of saw it a little bit more firsthand or um, definitely painted the Empire in a different light, I feel like Resistance is doing it um, in a different way. And I don't want to say better because I love Rebels, um, but it's different with Resistance because we don't know how the story ends yet. Whereas you still kind of have that mentality in Rebels of like, okay, yes, the Empire is doing a lot of like crazy-ish right now, a lot of crazy evil-ish, but we know that they'll be vanquished. And the things Mm -hmm. that were the most interesting and the most kind of sinister from Rebels were the things that Palpatine – well, for me anyway – were the things that Palpatine himself had a hand in. Um, Mm -hmm. So especially like World Between Worlds and like the Indiana Jones excavation stuff is kind of what I think of first. Um, But that was stuff that Palpatine was directly involved in. And so for me, when I think of like impressive evil, which is kind of a weird thing to say, I think of like Palpatine and Snoke. I don't really think of someone like Pyre and Price and Phasma. Why so many Ps? Good Lord. Um, (laughs) But Resistance, I think, and particularly with this episode, really kind of showed me that oh, they're quite evil themselves too. <laughs> and <laughs> and like we know that Hux is evil, but in Last Jedi, a lot of Hux was played for laughs too. Um, Which I think is a major criticism, but I do think that... I do laugh. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> but um, I still remember him like screaming in The Force Awakens as yeah. like he blows up like five separate planets. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're leading to. And I think that this episode in particular and Resistance as a whole has done a really good job of reminding you that there are actually like really smart tacticians um, working in the Resistance or uh, for the First Order outside of Snoke. Right. The thing that's really interesting, and you you wrote this in the show notes, so feel free to jump in. Um, there's so much going on in terms of um, the overlapping motives that we've all like. It really does. There's a line in Rebels that all I think I think it's all paths are coming together now. Yes. Oh, I wow, feel. <laughs> I feel. I know, right? I feel like that about this episode because we've been talking about this for a while about what sort of motivations Doze is going to go through, how Tora is going to fit into the story, how Sonara is going to fit into the story, how the pirates, the pressure, everything. And it really did feel like things that we've been talking about kind of came to fruition, which is really great to see. Mm-hmm. But I do think that you pr- you presented an interesting metaphor about how the Colossus is all these different layers. And now we have all these different layers coming together. And so how are all these different people on the Colossus going to work together to defeat this evil? Are how they? are all these or are they exactly? Or all how are all these different motives going to continue to come together and continue to surprise us? I don't know, but I think it's I think it's so like I think this is one of the Colossus is I think one of the biggest strengths of resistance is its setting. Um, I've said this from like day one. Like <laughs> the setting of the Colossus is one of my favorite things about this show. Not only like just getting to see all these different pieces of it, but you literally have like actual layers and floors of people and relationships built into the show. I mean, even down to the children of Tehar and the like the the turtle people um, that are hidden underneath with secrets of their own from both Niku and Kaz and the children of Tehar. And then you're you kind of go up the levels and you have like social hierarchy and oh my god I'm obsessed with it um like let's walk through some of these motives though because we keep talking about them but like let's actually like break them down a little bit more okay let's so we have the pirates okay so Mm -hmm. their main motive is what money money stealing stuff from the colossus getting paid by the first order I think it's just but like I would say that the pirates is just like getting paid yeah like whoever's the highest bidder and right Mm -hmm. now it happens to be the first order so are the pirates the pirates so the pirates don't really have any skin in the game outside of monetary income. Mm-hmm. They don't have. Like, I think that's true, and which is interesting because they're now the first ones to be like kind of picked off, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they don't. So we don't think they have any kind of political or social motivation. Well, I'm unsure because of the way the episode ended. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's left up for question in the beginning of the episode, or like even in the middle. I would say ah, they're done. They're over. But I don't think they are. I think that maybe they're working with someone else. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? I think it would be – we saw some of this in Clone Wars and Rebels with Hondo, but like the different factions of pirates. 
Um, that would really be the only thing I could think of as far as like political and social gain for like Sonara's pirate crew. Um, mm-hmm. So I wonder if – and I think similar to what you're saying, like I wonder if the like crack Captain Kraken or whatever his name is, Pirates of the Caribbean pirate um, – <laughs> Craigan. Craigan. Okay. Also, I sent you this Snapchat, but I just want to tell our listeners, have any of you noticed how Craigan, like two of his front tentacles are chopped off? It's so gross. So gross. I noticed this (laughs) on my – when I was watching this episode and I literally – I got the (laughs) heebie-jeebies. It's so piratey, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) And then I couldn't not look at it whenever he was on screen. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Same after you sent me that. Um, Okay. So the pirates, I think it would be interesting if they somehow like formed an allyship with other pirates or if they end up telling Joza about what – like, I wonder if Kragen would tell Sonara to tell Doza what happened and basically, like, oust herself in order to, like, get Doza on their side to then be against the First Order together. I think that is super, super likely. Yeah. And then again, Doza's caught between a rock and a hard place of he was with the First Order to be against the pirates, but then turns out that the First Order was – But he doesn't know that. Yeah, but what if the pirates tell Doza – they could, but why would they work with him? There's because so much. There's it's it's. You bring up an interesting point in the fact that Doza's kind of in the dark about that piece of information, yeah. and that might change the tide. Yeah. But I don't know how much power Doza even holds over the First Order at this point. Well, he doesn't. That's so. I think I think the pirates would do the same thing that the First Order did to Doza, because mm-hmm. like the the First Order was like, you've got this problem of pirates. Like we'll help you. But the First Order was paying the pirates to be the problem. And so now now that the pirates have been double-crossed, they're going to be like, well, hell, we've got a spy on the on the Colossus. Let's turn the tide and get back at them. I don't know what the Colossus will be able to do to fight against these two parties. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It feels, it feels like there's like they're at a standstill. And I think that's the point. You're supposed to feel like that. You're supposed to feel like <laughs> I don't know how they're going to get out of this jam. Shit. But Not I, I feel I really feel like there's like I, they need some sort of outside force, and maybe it's the resistance. But I just don't really see that happening. But it could happen. I think now that I'm thinking about this pirate thing, I, I think that the pirates are going to try and get revenge on the first order. By telling yeah. them about – by telling Dodes about what happened. And through that process, Sonara will be, like, really ousted by it. Um, You're probably right. Because I think – because we're, we're kind of playing with the – like, these three parties have been our main factions throughout the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pirates, the First Order, and the Colossus. So I think we'll kind of continue with them until things kind of – until Kaz loses his home planet and we all cry. <laughs> Um, We're just a ticking time bomb to that part. (laughs) No, what we are is a boiling pot of water and everything is super charged right now. And we're at, what are we at? Like 192 (laughs) degrees to 212. (laughs) Getting ready for pasta. Um, The saddest pot of pasta you've ever seen. (laughs) Okay, so next is Sonara. But Sonara's loyalties are really tied at this point, right? Yeah, well, that's the I, thing. I, I feel like she – or is, or are they? Because you can watch that last part of the episode and see some sort of remorse in her eyes about that. But it does sound like that she wants to come home. Like they use that term, like after you do this, you can come home. And she was like – I don't know. It was It was really tough to read that scene and be like, I don't know her motives. I mean, that's the point of the whole scene. Um, yeah, I. I mean, I think that she's good because I. I think that she really likes Kaz, and I think that she really likes Tam, but I do wonder. Yeah, I don't wonder at all. Actually, I'm like totally <laughs> sold on the Sonara complete redemption. Like honestly, same. Like that's what they're writing. I mean, yeah. But I. I think that's like the the point of the whole a, thing. A spendemptionist over here. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think when I watched it, I literally, I literally was like, I can smell your redemption plot a mile away, Sonara. Don't even play. Um, <laughs> but she's she's just in the middle right now, um, which is where she should be. But I think for me, it really hinged on 
Tora inviting her up to her room and being like, yeah, all my friends can come. I know. Um, like, let's all that go was so out. Sweet. And Sonara was like, me too? And she was like, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you come? It was so sweet, but it was also like she was thinking about how now she has this piece of valuable information that will eventually help the pirates. And it really put her between a rock and a hard place. And I felt really bad for her. Yeah. But you could tell <sighs> that like just hanging out meant a lot to her, which is why I don't think that the whole pirates saying like, oh, you can come home now was really that really meaningful for, for Sonara because – Again, the pirate's motivation is monetary, and so Sonara is just an instrument of getting that money, those credits. Um, whereas, like with Tora and Kaz and Tam, it was never about that. It was just like, yeah, come hang out. Like I trust you, kind of on face value, without really knowing you, because I think you're my friend. And here's the code to my house. And please don't kidnap me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and like the fact that she like immediately when she found out that they had come for Tora, she was like, whoa, no. Um, and like jumped into action. I know. Uh, I did think it was really funny when, when – I. it's been a while since I watched it, but when Kaz was following them initially before he knew that Tora got kidnapped and they all get separated and then he's like, oh, we got to find Sonara. And then Sonara just like runs into him and he's like, what were you doing with those people? And she just like – pivots the conversation so <laughs> she's like we gotta go and he's like okay <laughs> i i want to we'll talk about them more in the character section but same i i find sonara's whole arc like super fascinating and i'm just really surprised that they're really going there with this and i can almost imagine sonara helping the resistance in the future in a kind of a callous kind of way oh um, yeah by Callus, for those who haven't watched Rebels, that's kind of what happens to this character named Callus, not the verb Callus, not verb, adjective Callus. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Let's save the rest of our characters for our character section. But, yes. Um, okay. So the overlapping motives of the First Order, are there really overlapping motives? I mean, not really. I think they just want to control the system. I think it's the major question of – how are they going to control the system? Why are they so interested in the Colossus? Is it really just a, a gain to gain another like major star system? Mm -hmm. Or or is it something more? And I think that there's a pretty big case for it being something more. Mm -hmm. What I think, and, and I think you're right, um, they don't really have overlapping motives, but they have an, a lot of overlapping threads <laughs> yes. um, that get brought up. They, they've got a lot of chess pieces on the game board. Mm -hmm. um, but with the Colossus, what I think is interesting is we haven't really heard a lot about the planet that the Colossus is on. Castellon. Castellon, yeah. Um, and what's there, who's there, if anything. Is it just a water planet? Um, is there is there nothing else there except the Colossus? Um, and well, the I think that you, you have in the past brought up about how there's something on the Colossus that's yeah. – your theory is that there's something big on the Colossus. And mm -hmm. I think in the trailer, we saw that the Colossus kind of transforms into this big ship thing. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, they have this sea monster. Maybe the sea monster is protecting something in the same way a dragon protects a castle. Mm. I I always think about those kind of parallels. And I do wonder what the Colossus has to offer. I think that, that you're right. It hasn't been totally revealed to us. And I think we're yeah. only in like, what, like episode 16 yeah. at this point? Or 15. 15, I think. Yeah. So we have a long way to go, but I do think that that will be revealed in the same way that um, Lothal was kind of revealed as a mm -hmm. planet that was something more than just a city that Ezra was from. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I guess I'm just curious if it is something on Castellon or if it is something like the Colossus, because you're right in the trailer for the back half of the season, they did you did see the Colossus kind of transform. And then I think it was Jaeger too, who had a line of like, now the first order has an expertly located military base or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, like a strategic military base, but you have to wonder like what makes the Colossus strategic. Right. Um, if there, if there's nothing on, if there's nothing on board the Colossus or on Castellan, like what is it about Castellan that made the Colossus be built anyway? And you know what else we're forgetting? Oh my God, what? this just came to me. The fact that Doza has a Empire uniform 
in his closet. That I'm hasn't sure been touched yet. That hasn't been to I like that that, com- that just entered my mind. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about this." Like interesting tidbit. Yeah. It's really interesting. Oh. There, like that's another one of Doza's dilemmas. <laughs> Someone's going to find out about that. Oh, oh, wow. I can't believe we forgot about that. Yeah. That's just ooh. Hmm. Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) We put a pin in that and we discuss that a little bit later. A little bit later. Um, Okay. So then kind of the last question as far as like the first order. So how many more of these deals and like these other kind of um, what like stations do you think that the first order is kind of taking over around the galaxy? I think several. Unfortunately, I feel like I'm not very well read in some of – the Star Wars books are about this era. Like I mm-hmm. like haven't Aftermath. read Phasma, haven't read Aftermath, um, but I, I assume that similar things are happening. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I just outed myself about that, that I don't know that. But I think that like any major government trying to take, take control, um, the First Order is only going to find different systems that will mm-hmm. support them and yeah. use force or not. Like, I think force – I think we're seeing, like, a different side that I don't think the Empire did. Like, I think that um, First Order's, like, tactics of taking over a system, like, if we can use the Colossus, are kind of, we're protecting you because you need help from the pirates. And we're going to station these stormtroopers here to protect you and your daughter because we care about you. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Empire was like that at all. I think they were um, – militarily taking over cities and planets and if you don't agree you know it's it's like in solo um you know kill the hostiles and han being like we're we're the hostiles you know i feel like that was happening i think the first order it's a little bit more under the surface i don't but the the empire wasn't like that originally and we saw that in the clone wars through a lot of the episodes where it was like you had you know dooku and obi-wan kind of Bribe, not bribing, but um, like debating with like the owner of a planet or the like <laughs> ruler <laughs> of a planet, the owner, the ruler of a planet. Like, no, you should be with the separatists. And like, here's why we send you medical aid and like do all yeah. these nice things for you. Um, but then it was like once they actually became the empire, then it was like, well, we don't need to do that anymore. We're the empire. Totally. So I kind of, I kind of see a similar pattern with the first order, but. And because neither one of us have really read a lot of the post-Return of the Jedi. Um, like immediately post-Return of the yeah, Jedi. Yeah, um, content. <laughs> Let's put it this way. If it doesn't have Ray or Kylo in it, we <laughs> had ne- haven't necessarily read it. <laughs> um, well, the thing is, is that Kylo, it's it's rough because I know. Kylo is in that. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. But not really. Yeah, I've read those parts. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we've really ousted ourselves. It's like our Sonara moment. Um, I hope people still listen. Oh, but everything everything feels so much more compressed um, because I, I – let me reiterate again how much these timelines stress me out um, <laughs> with how close everything is because we know from Rose in The Last Jedi that the First Order was doing a similar – like not a similar but like a takeover of her planet too – um, so maybe that's happening at like the same time or just like a little bit before this situation on the Colossus has started. And like by the – not by the way, but just like something to keep in mind is that the situation with the pirates and the First Order paying the pirates, that was happening before we as an audience got to the Colossus. Mm-hmm. Like that was already a situation that Kaz walked into. Um, so how long has that been going on? How long have they been laying the seeds here? And, you know, how many other places is it happening? Will we get to see some of those places too? Right. <sighs> lot to consider. lot to consider. All right. But are we ready to move on to part three? Yes. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. All right, welcome to part three where we're talking about our characters, which I know, as per usual, we got a little ahead of ourselves in the last section. Um, But let's kind of go back to this idea of like overlapping motives and just kind of breaking down where all of our characters at in relationship to other characters. So we already did Sonara, but let's start with Tora. Tora is an interesting one because Mm -hmm. I feel like she is lonely 
Um, oh, yeah. She feels like – and she is also, in a way, she's lonely, but she's popular because she's the captain's daughter and she mm-hmm. has a lot of wealth and resources. And um, But she's super kind and nice. But I think that she um, is on to Kaz, as we saw in a, the previous episode. Mm-hmm. But she's still willing to be his friend and hang out with his peers as well. So I think Tor is an interesting one because she's extremely close with um, what went on. And now I'm kind of forgetting. Was she like conscious or aware of what happened between the, the hold off, the, the handoff between the First Order and the pirates? As far as the, the First Order paying the pirates? Yeah. Was she aware of that or no? No, because remember when they got to the, the station, the pirate, the like big pirate ship? Mm-hmm. Um, the first order shot like two of the pirates. Yeah. No. Yeah. I remember that. I just didn't know if she knew of that. Yeah. She doesn't know that the first order paid the pirates. Like she doesn't know mm-hmm. that part, but she right. knows that the, that the first order like saved her from the pirates. So now she's in this interesting position where she's like, I was saved by the first order. Dad, thank God they're here in the back of her mind, even though I don't think that she's actually like that at all. Because oh, yeah, I think no. that she she is she prides herself on her position as an ace pilot and protecting the Colossus and with the onslaught of the First Order coming in, all of that kind of goes away. Yeah, no, that's the weird thing about Tora is that you she's so smart, mm-hmm. but like Doza, she's missing. Like if she just had a little bit more information, she would put all the pieces together. Right, because um, she's like, because like you said, in that and from that other episode, she's already a little suspicious of Kaz. Um, I think she even says like, "Kaz, you're suspicious" or something yeah. like, very <laughs> on the nose like that. I wouldn't be surprised if she was the one to figure it all out. Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah, I'm. I think that Kaz and Tora are gonna have. I still hope that Kaz's father makes an appearance as like a point of conflict for Kaz and I hope that I've always liked that idea of like Chora and Kaz having a similar um like pro- not problem but like a ethical question when it comes to their fathers mm-hmm. of like Joza kind of having to bow down to the first order and then like perhaps Kaz's father being directly involved with the first order like if Kaz's father like if Kaz's family is spared from Hosnian Prime and Kaz is so excited about it and, like, grateful. But then he finds out that his father knew that that was going to happen and, like, got his family out but no one else. Like, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that would be a really interesting conundrum for the two of them. And I would like that episode of watching them work through it together. Right. But, yeah. Tora, I think, is super smart. And I think if she just had just a smidge more information – and I think you're right. I wouldn't be surprised if she comes across it haphazardly and then puts all of the pieces together. Right. I was thinking a lot about Doza and his position and like the future of his character when watching this episode. I feel like the fact that we've seen Tora use as a bargaining chip, um, essentially, I don't think it bodes well for Doza's character and like him living through the Mm. next like two seasons. I feel like he um has a lot of history and I feel like he is kind of in jeopardy like big jeopardy mm-hmm. <laughs> and a huge target and I do wonder where that's going to leave us and take us with his character that's yeah that's an interesting point I hadn't thought of that I really want to see Doza do some big moves good or bad same um, because he's just kind of been pace doing a lot of pacing <laughs> in his office <laughs> on the bridge <laughs> yelling a lot of orders uh <laughs> which <laughs> also I loved how his droid came in and was like hey by the by Tora's been kidnapped all right <laughs> he was like what um but yeah he he's done a lot of worrying which has definitely led us to not really knowing where he stands as far as like his moral compass or his views on things like obviously he doesn't like the first order but he doesn't like the pirates and what do you do about that um so he's done a lot of pacing so i i hope in the next couple episodes we see him really act (laughs) and do something right i but okay let's talk about kaz then um as we move down this line 
I feel like Kaz is now in like a I mean, I mentioned this in the story section. Like, I feel like he is now like things are becoming real for him. Mm-hmm. Um, when he witnesses Sonara lying to him and he has to kind of sadly make that choice, I feel like he is really growing, which is really impressive. Um, and I I don't know where his character is gonna go. I feel like he I mean, I, I think I have an idea. I think that he's good through and through. But I'm really, really intrigued by his relationship with Sonara. Yeah, because I'm thinking – I can't decide if I think that he'll – if he'll try and talk to Sonara about it and, like, have her admit it or if it'll come out in, like, some kind of fight or something, if he'll tell the resistance about it or if he'll lie for Sonara. I think he might lie for I her. Think he might too. But um, I do ultimately think that her choice – to turn away from the pirates will be her own and i sound like a kylo <laughs> kylo whatever oh, but yeah. i i feel like it's not going to come out in a fight i feel like she's going to be like i have my friends i have my life here and i'm leaving that behind because mm-hmm. i don't believe in this well i wonder how kaz is going to act towards her in the next couple of episodes is yeah. he going to be super obvious uh because kaz episode one if we remember him spying quote-unquote, in episode one, super obvious. So he hasn't had to deal with something like this before. I wonder, like, is he going to tell Jaeger? I don't know. I think if I think if he tells anyone, it might be Jaeger. I rem- how cute was, you know, Kaz, like, spiffing himself up to go talk super to Sonara cute. and then super Tam cute. being like, he's always going to talk with Sonara. Loved it. It was super I cute. I ship them. I sh- <laughs> Who don't we ship? <laughs> <laughs> I ship everyone. I ship everyone. <laughs> I ship happiness with everyone. Me too. Whatever Constantly. Makes you, whatever makes you happy, just be happy. Just smile. <laughs> don't die. Don't be evil. Uh, def- so true. We're definitely Bendemptionists. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I think if you – but then you've got – then you've got BB-8, who, as we've kind of been discussing the past couple episodes, like isn't the biggest Kaz fan or – like isn't a hundred percent ecstatic with Kaz all the time. Like you made the point earlier this episode where BB-8 says that you know I told you so kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like I wasn't a fan of her to begin with. Yeah. Like I never trusted her. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if if BB-8 might spill the beans. Uh, <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> I don't know. BB-8 spills the beans and then pieces out, and then CB-23 <laughs> comes to replace her. No. <laughs> He's like, gotta go on a mission with my boy Poe. Bye. <laughs> oh, not to Luke Skywalker, you say? Oh, Sonara's the spy. Bye. <laughs> with, his, with his little fire thumb as he yeah. flies away, rolls away. Thumb uh, or middle finger. The great debate rages mm. on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really interested to see how Kaz reacts to Sonara in the next couple episodes. Like, is Sonara going to try and be really nice to him and then he's going to be standoffish? Or is are they going to do, like, some kind of comical, like, comedy bit of Kaz trying to get her to admit something? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, or just being, like, angry at her. So I think that'll be interesting to see. Um, because totally. he does have a relationship with her now. It's not just some nameless person who he thinks may or may not be involved with the First Order. Um, it's <laughs> yeah. someone that he like clearly has affection for, whether it's romantic or not, um, he wants to impress. Definitely. Anything else that we want to add in the character section? I miss Flix and Orca. Wow, you got their names right. I'm so proud of I you. I did. I didn't even stutter that time. You Don't went a little to- slow in the Orca. I I'm a little I, hesitant with the orca. I don't want to say okra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, my Niku First Order spy theory still stands for all of you wondering. <laughs> um, but we haven't actually seen a lot of Niku since his uh, since his big monster had a, episode. He had a great line in this episode about food, loving food. There's a great little little quip. <laughs> we love that about Niku. I he do. Comes in there with the really funny jokes. Before he leaves to do his evil deeds. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, yeah. So until proven wrong, Niku first order spy theory still stands. Well, I think that that brings up an interesting theory. Like, where's he been? No, 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 oh. no. That's not what I was gonna say. I was gonna say. 
are people now thinking that Sonara is like technically the First Order spy? Is that whole is that Kaz's oh. whole purpose hmm. was spying on or finding the the missing link between like what the friction has caused and the Colossus and it is Sonara that person? Hmm. Like and Sonara inadvertently becomes the First Order spy. Yeah, I feel like I I really do feel like the First Order spy like by strict definition isn't going to be so plain Mm -hmm. and i do wonder if it's if like i don't know i feel like it could be sonara like it could have been sonara yeah i liked your theory that there isn't actually one that it's kind of right first order spy is kind of a red herring Um, yeah i think i really think that that's true and in in that case like sonara is also kind of included in that red herring and that It's not necessarily what you think. Mm-hmm. But then it, it kind of begs the question of, of why did they think there was one in the first place? Like why right. did they need someone to go to the Colossus? Um, clearly it wasn't that big of a threat or inkling because they sent someone completely untrained and unknown. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, <laughs> love you, Kaz. But uh, <laughs> so – yeah, I I, I kind of I now I kind of want to go back and and watch some of the first episode again to really see what Poe said about about sending Cass to the Colossus and why the Colossus of all places like why they think there's a First Order spy there because the First Order is there like they've had contact there or no isn't it in the First Order they think that Doza doesn't doesn't Poe say they think it might be Doza yeah, they're on to Doza right now. Yeah, okay. But they should they really be on to Doza? I guess. No. Yeah. No. So is there someone else? But then like I we don't saw know. Kaz kind of mess with not mess with Doza, but consider Doza for a couple of episodes pretty heavily, but then he's kind of fallen off that recently. Mm-hmm. But never forget that Doza has a Imperial uniform in his closet. Yep. What's up with that? I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for our resistance recap for Doza's Dilemma. Um, really looking forward to next week's episode. It will be a little bit more on time. Um, and yeah, uh, thank you guys as always for listening. You can find us online at skytalkers.com or on our Twitter. Uh, the podcast Twitter is at skytalkerspod. And then our personal handles are at Caitlin Flusher and at Clarity. And if you like what you hear here, you can also go over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review so other people can find our show too. Yes. And I want to thank our amazing patrons, Jason, Amy, Joanna, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Tracy, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Brian, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, BJ, Ewan, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Catherine, Manny, I, Rebel, David, Claudia, Kate, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumper, Raru, Patrick, James, Hamsa, From a Certain Point of View, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kells, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Daniela, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Janlaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Jordan, Molly, Aaron, Casey, Megan, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Adam, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, Brian, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Yes, thank you so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.